Talking Wellness at Memorial Care Health System. It's time for a weekly dose of wellness. Here's Deborah Howell. And welcome to the show. I am Deborah Howell, and today we'll be talking about the Stop the Bleed campaign. Our guest is Desiree Thomas, a registered nurse and the program director of the Trauma Center at Long Beach Medical Center and Miller Children's and Women's Hospital in Long Beach. Welcome, Desiree. Good morning. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate this. It's our pleasure. I'm going to jump right in with the first question, which, of course, is what is the Stop the Bleed campaign? That's a great question. Lots of people ask me about that. So Stop the Bleed is a national awareness campaign, and it's a call to action. And the idea behind it is that we need to be empowering the public by raising awareness of basic actions to stop life-threatening bleeding from everyday emergencies that are either man-made or natural disasters. And this all came about from lessons that we've learned through the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then as a result of what we've learned there from some of the previous school shootings that we've had. Um, Trauma surgeons have partnered with national organizations to say, how can we do a better job of preventing people from dying from bleeding? It's just such a great idea, and I'm sort of stunned that we haven't you know, done it before, but thank God we're doing it yes. now. Um, Absolutely. How important is it for people to learn bleeding control techniques? I personally, because I am the program director for trauma, I think this is really important because stopping bleeding is what we do every day. So if you think about, you take a step back from that and you look at how important we think it is for people to know how to do CPR, mm-hmm. and you see that on the news all of the time, how so-and-so's life was saved because somebody knew how to do CPR or use the AED, that is the same thing as the stop the bleed. So you could see somebody bleeding as a result of um, a workplace injury or a man-made event, and people bleed to death in two, three, four minutes. And so mm. if we are able to empower the public to be able to stop bleeding faster, we're potentially saving lives. You know, and I'm, I am I should know, I'm the product of, a, my mom was a nurse, my dad was a doctor, uh-huh. and I wouldn't know whether to put the tourniquet above or below the, you know, I, there, it, it's, it's just shocking <laughs> right. how little I know. And, and you know, I think I speak for yes. most of the population. And it's, I, bleeding is really intimidating to people, which makes sense. And so our job in teaching the Stop the Bleed campaign is to help people understand how to recognize life-threatening bleeding, first of all, and then how to treat it. And so we break it down into those two pieces because just, you know, if you cut your finger, that doesn't mean that you need major treatment, but you you could need something more significant or your child if they're injured. And how do you know um, what is significant, what isn't significant bleeding? And that's a big part of what we go over as well. Right. And I know you mentioned it before, but it's so important. I'm going to ask you the question again. How quickly can someone die as a result of blood loss? Oh, two to five minutes easily. And this is with a pretty major wound or? Yes, that's with a major wound. Okay. All right. And, and I suppose there are categories of wounds. And is that something that we learn during the Stop the Bleed campaign? So the way that we break it down is we teach what types of bleeding are life-threatening. So if there's blood spurting from a wound or blood won't stop coming out of it, or if there's blood pooling on the ground or the clothing surrounding the wound is soaked with blood, or if you'd put bandages and those are soaked, if a person's lost part of an arm or a leg, um, or if they were bleeding and now all of a sudden they're unconscious. Those are things that we would consider life-threatening bleeding that we'd want the public to recognize and then take action on. Okay. Boy, this sounds like um, it's not just to sit down and you learn it in 10 minutes. It's actually designed to be a 60-minute class. And so um, it's easy to do um, with organizations like a lunch and learn event, or we at Memorial Care, we'll come into your place of business or 
wherever you work to teach you this program. And it's a there's a didactic portion where we're showing you a presentation of all of these things that I'm talking about. And then there's a hands-on portion, and we teach people how to apply tourniquets, how to apply pressure, and how to do so they get more comfortable with doing that task with their hands. Because anytime you're in an event which is really stressful, it can be hard to remember how to do things. And so the more we practice with our hands, the easier it is if you have to use those skills in a real event. Absolutely. And there's something called, this is really not on the list of questions that I wanted to ask you, but there's something called syncope that people often get um, when it, then they're around blood. And I'm wondering if any part uh-huh. of the Stop the Bleed campaign addresses uh, fainting or syncope. It doesn't address that, but we do. The first thing out of all of uh, the first bullet point we teach people is to ensure your own safety. So if you are somebody that gets really anxious at the sight of blood, I would recommend that you call 911 first before you start helping somebody um, because we would want the responders to come away. Because if you end up, you know, passing out too, there could potentially be two people that need to be taken care of. But if somebody's bleeding in front of you and you know that that would be hard for you to deal with, at least make sure that you have um, help coming on the way. Absolutely. That sounds to me like one of the primary principles of Stop the Bleed. Maybe you can go over all the principles of Stop the Bleed with us. Sure. So it's just as simple as ABC. That's the way we teach it, and that's the same way CPR is taught also. So we've tried to keep those fairly similar. And so after ensuring your own safety, the first is A is alert, calling 911. Make sure that the emergency responders are on the way. You as a person in the public, we want you to be able to recognize it and treat it initially, but you certainly aren't the person responsible for managing that wound forever. We need to get those paramedics on the way. So A is alert, B is bleeding, so you have to find the bleeding injury. Where is that? Where is that bleeding coming from? What type of bleeding is it? Like the examples that I gave just a few minutes ago. And then C is compressed. So you have to stop the bleeding by applying pressure. There's a couple different ways that we are able to compress an injury. The first is simply covering the wound with a clean cloth and applying pressure and you're pushing directly on that wound with both hands and you're not letting your hands up to keep checking to see if it's still bleeding. You just keep both hands on that wound until the paramedics arrive. Um, Using a tourniquet, so that is the device that you would only use that on arms and legs and you put that above the wound and you apply that to help stop blood flow going from beyond where the tourniquet is so it'll stop bleeding. Okay. And that's one of the, the um, skills we really practice a lot in the class. And then the third type of compression that we do, we teach, is packing or stuffing the wound. So if you have a large wound that would need gauze or a clean cloth in it, we show people how to stuff that wound and then apply pressure with both hands. How far above a wound do you apply a tourniquet? Um, you go just a couple inches above the wound to apply the tourniquet. Okay. And that stops some of the flow to the heart? Well, what it's doing is it's not stopping the flow to the heart. It's stopping the flow out of the body. So this would only be used for somebody that has spurting active bleeding um, in their in their arm or their leg. And what we're trying to do is stop that spurting or active bleeding. So we apply the tourniquet to stop that bleeding out. It's not to help um, blood return to the heart. It's to help keep what blood is in the body still in the body. I see. I told you I'm, I'm a tourniquet idiot. <laughs> I never you know. know so, you know what? Most of the public is, and that's okay. This is not something that, you know, was taught five years ago to the public, so that's okay. Yeah, and, and you know, every Western, they're always applying the tourniquet, but you never really know why, because they never explained it in the Westerns. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, um, we have the principles, the primary principles. Um, and also, I would say that sometimes we need to check for more than one wound. 
Absolutely, yes, that could happen. So, unfortunately, most of the public's desire to have this education and knowledge has come as a result of the number of mass shootings we've had in our country in the last few years. And so it is certainly possible for people to have more than one wound. And so this is why it's really important. See where the bleeding is. Open up the clothing. Take the clothing off. Whatever you need to do to really be able to expose that wound and see if there are any others so that we can stop the bleeding for those patients. Right. It's not a time for modesty when it's life-threatening. No, it's not. Uh, listeners can visit bleedingcontrol.org to learn more about Stop the Bleed's free one-hour courses to train parents, teachers, and community members on how to stop life-threatening blood loss. Now, how does blood donation play a role in uh, traumatic events that involve blood loss? So blood donation is an integral part of what we do as a trauma center. So when people come in that are bleeding, so if you're out, if you're out at a park and you see somebody that is severely injured and you apply the Stop the Bleed principles and the paramedics come and they bring them to the hospital, we continue with many of those same principles But what's happened as a result of people bleeding is they need the blood replaced. So IV fluid doesn't replace blood. Blood does different things than IV fluid does. And so we give a tremendous number of blood products to our patients that are massively bleeding. Um, We can use up to 130 units of blood and blood products on one patient in just a couple hours. And so being able to replenish that supply of blood products in our blood donor center is so important because as a trauma center, we need to have access to blood all the time in order to save people's lives. And that's a major way that the public can contribute to helping um, prevent people from dying from blood loss. Let's hope that some of our listeners are hearing this right now. And uh, how can they make an appointment to donate blood? Sure. They can um, visit memorialcare.org backslash LB donation backslash backslash LB blood donation, or they can directly call our blood donor center at 562-933-0808. I'm going to give that address again. It's memorialcare.org backslash LB blood donation, or they can call 562-933-0808. Oh, it's just been so, so wonderful to have you on the program today, Desiree. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Deborah. I appreciate your time. And for more information or to listen to a podcast of this show, you can go to memorialcare.org. That's memorialcare.org. I'm Deborah Howe. That's all for this time. Have yourself a terrific day.